Hello, and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. This week, we're gonna learn. We're gonna do a lot of learning. <laughs> we're gonna find the right college for free, with education connection. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to be adapting the Magic Treehouse series into an animated TV series. Yay! That would probably be stuck Again. onto... Yeah. <laughs> no, it was turned into a movie. Oh, I thought it was a full anime. In Japan. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like a one-shot anime that adapted, I think, the first four books. And kind of smushed some stuff together. We are going to be smushing a few things together, but that's... Mostly to streamline a couple. There's plot lines in this book series aimed at six-year-olds. Yeah, I remember the arcs. I remember the story arcs. Yeah. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say six-year-old, but this is aimed at elementary school kids, so. So, yeah. Anyway, general premise of the Magic Treehouse series. A bit of a refresher for those who haven't read these books in literal decades. So... The general idea is that you have these two kids named Jack and Annie. They live in a small town in Pennsylvania, and one day they're out in the woods and they discover a treehouse that has a whole bunch of books. And basically these books are kind of like portals, and basically the treehouse is kind of like the TARDIS. Yep. <laughs> 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 and they go around to different points in history. They have gone to outer. They went to the moon once because there was something that Morgan Le Fay needed. She needed the moonstone. No, they got the moonstone in Japan. Well, then what did they get from the the moon? A moon rock, I think. There's a difference. So I remember, okay, listen, because here's the thing, I remember, I remember that arc. They had to get four different objects to help this mouse that was secretly Morgan, wait, okay, spoilers for the Magic Treehouse. So the Treehouse <laughs> was, was uh, headed by Morgan Le Fay, you know, from Camelot, you, you know, yeah. the, the, the big bad. <laughs> <laughs> Normally the big bad. <laughs> I think apparently she comes from a version of Camelot where Merlin wasn't a sex pest and so she didn't become a woman scorned. <laughs> Yeah, where Merlin wasn't a sex pest, where her mom wasn't raped by Uther Pendragon and stole her inheritance, <laughs> where she didn't end up raping her half-brother to have a son. Oh man, how how would they have tried to fit more? To Actually, no, I have an idea of how to fit Mordred into this. We'll get there. Anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> there is an entire arc that involves Camelot, so. <laughs> um, there... The, the second arc, books five through eight, the Morgan had been turned into a mouse, but they didn't know that Morgan was the mouse. They were just like, oh, Morgan has been placed under a curse, and also there's this mouse. The, surely they're not connected. And then they had to go around and find various objects, and so they found a moonstone, a mango, and a mammoth bone. And then, I, I don't know, I guess they just went to the moon for fun, and then they came back and like, now we have three objects, and so we're going to chant them while clapping our hands, and we're going to go moonstone, mango, mammoth bone, mouse, and then the mouse turned back into Morgan. And they're like, yes! We've done it. We solved your puzzle. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking for this adaptation, um, Morgan being the mouse is kind of like the first thing that they discovered. They discovered the the treehouse is abandoned. 
there's a whole bunch of books and a tiny little mouse who seems really intelligent. Yeah, like honestly, until I'm I'm looking at the recap page on TV Tropes right now, and I thought that like turning the mouse back into Morgan was the first arc. I didn't realize they met yeah. Morgan, and then like immediately book five, actually Morgan's been cursed. Here's a mouse, no relation, wink. <laughs> yeah. So for this adaptation, that'll be the first arc. Um, there's also another arc. This seems to be a thing where um, they encounter a dog named Teddy. Mm -hmm. And um, turns out to be a boy that they have to uh, free from a curse. I think he was like one of Merlin's apprentices. Yeah, he was He was an apprentice magician of Morgan. Because I think, yeah. if I remember correctly, like Morgan had officially succeeded Merlin as like the court magician and now she was yes. training the kids. Yeah. And so like, okay, I got two... Uh, like contemporary kids and one Arthurian kid. Oh shit! The Arthurian kid has turned himself into a dog. Hey, hey, hey! What if what if we just changed Teddy to Mor to Mordred? Yeah, <laughs> kid Mordred. And instead of all the horrible backstory, he's just like Morgan's wacky nephew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, when uh, Morgan first reveals herself, Jack's like, but you're a witch! You're like a bad witch! And she's like, no. <laughs> and that's it! <laughs> <laughs> like, we can give a better explanation. Maybe there is, like, an overarching villain who has slandered Morgan Le Fay throughout the millennia. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Who is, uh, who is, who is the first bad guy? Vor Vortigern or Vortigaunt. Vortigern, he's the reason everything went bad. So maybe Vortigern is the big bad. Yeah, why not? I don't know. <laughs> this is just like kid-friendly Doctor Who, because honestly, Doctor Who is no longer kid-friendly. It hasn't been since like the 60s. Uh, it's still a family show. Okay. Le <laughs> it is a legally a family show. It is legally a family show. <laughs> yeah, the Brits like to terrify their children. <laughs> and And also, to be fair... It was just as terrifying for the kids back then as it is now. Okay, so this is like, uh, <laughs> it was terrifying for me, it will be terrifying for you. Pretty much. Also, okay, so like, <laughs> if, if you watch the old, the classic Who stuff, yeah, it looks really janky, but that was like the pinnacle of special effects a lot of the time. Yeah, that's true. So like, obviously it looks ho hokey for us because we know it can be accomplished, but for them, they're like, oh no. That's a real Minotaur from the planet of the Minotaurs. <laughs> yep. So anyway, let's talk about edutainment because unfortunately it's got a bad rap. And honestly, a lot of edutainment is aimed at little kids. Yeah. Which makes things very simple and all that. And the thing with these books is that they go to places where like... I question on whether or not this is, was a good idea to send these children to. They went to the Titanic. Yeah! They barely escaped. When they get back home, they have a pocket watch that stopped at 2.02 a.m. when, like, the last of the ship slipped under the North Atlantic. And they do have a moment where they're like, dang, everyone we met on that ship is now dead. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> I mean, we're ten. <laughs> okay, so here's some of the places where I go. This is a good idea. 
they go back to the Lake Cretaceous and nearly get eaten by a T-Rex. That was that was their first that was their first outing. <laughs> yeah. They wind up in the Caribbean during the Golden Age of Pirates, and I think they nearly get attacked by Blackbeard. <laughs> they meet a real mummy? They meet they met a real mummy. Um they go to the Ice Age and encounter a saber-toothed tiger. Uh, they go to the moon. They thankfully have, like, actual suits. But the thing about the moon is that it doesn't really have an atmosphere. Oh. Oh, yeah. They went to Pompeii the day Vesuvius erupted. Oh, my. Uh. See, some of, these, some of these definitely have to be, like, they're not assigned. The kid's just like, hey, what if we went to the moon? Hey, hey what if we went to Vesuvius? <laughs> For funds. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to reiterate, Jack is eight years old, and Annie is seven. <laughs> Book 21, Civil War on Sunday. They go back to the American Civil War. I think it's the Battle of Gettysburg. They encounter one of their ancestors who was a drummer boy who was 12. Yeah, and then the, the very next book, they go to the Revolutionary War. Yeah, and cross the Delaware with Washington. There's, okay, so... I've I've been scrolling through the books. Uh, Arc ten, books thirty seven through forty, um, has one of the books is called Monday with a Mad Genius. Now is like Frankenstein, but no, it's just Leonardo da Vinci. Well, he was designing proto tanks and uh, had a had a workable helicopter design. That is um, true. Um, also, apparently, this whole arc is trying to figure out how to cure Merlin's depression, and the cure is getting him a pet penguin. <laughs> I mean, as for kids, we, this is, I don't know, maybe he's still not over Nimaway? <laughs> hey, I heard that you, heard that you drunk texted your ex. Man, that sucks. <laughs> what, let, let's spend a whole month going on various historical missions. Oh, you know what's going to cure my depression? A penguin. <laughs> I mean, penguins are fun and make night, and make weird noises. That's true. I remember March of the Penguins and the one falls over and they all go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to know another zany adventure these kids go on? One of the more recent books that came out in 2015? Oh. Danger in the Darkest Hours. <laughs> they show up at D-Day. No. Okay. Well, I, I was about to get really concerned that it was going to be at 9-11. But okay, D-Day is moderately better. <laughs> there is, yeah. there, there is a, uh, like a, a children's uh, book series called I Survived, and it's about like kids yeah. surviving historical events, but one of them is about 9-11. <laughs> don't i i don't know <laughs> they're the, the current arc um that was coming out last year uh the, the, the most recent book as far as i can tell is called late lunch with llamas oh thank god <laughs> we're really uh running the gamut yeah like most of these adventures are historical adventures but they also go to like the Serengeti and encounter some lions or they go to the Amazon that's where they got the mango from 
th- there is a book called To the Future Ben Franklin, which I can only assume the first half is they meet Ben Franklin, but the second half is he followed them home. <laughs> like Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically what I figure is, like, with an animated adaptation, how long is your average kid's episode? Probably, what, 22 minutes? Yes. Yeah. So you could easily fit a book into an episode. With a couple, like, I could argue for a couple, you could stretch it out into, like, a two-episode arc. Like, especially, what the fuck are they doing <laughs> in Normandy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could probably, like, get a couple seasons out of this, and we can figure out new ways to traumatize these two young children. Or we have them grow up over time as into traumatized teenagers. The big thing is, like, not talking down to the child audience, but also... We're going to send these children into danger. And yeah, as we said earlier, there is currently uh, 15 arcs. So like the first, we could probably smush the first two arcs together with the whole Morgan is the mouse, Peanut. So that covers books one through eight. And then nine through 12 is... Morgan hasn't been able to collect new books lately, and only a master librarian can use the treehouse for this purpose. Jack and Annie, in order to become master librarians, must solve four riddles to prove that they know how to do research and can find answers to hard questions. There's a mystery of the lost stories, so they have to recover old stories from uh, that were lost to history, which is where... So, vacation under the volcano. That's... Because there were libraries in Pompeii. Yeah. They found preserved papyrus from it because it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, they found an entire library that was fairly intact and have been able to decipher a whole bunch of the papyri. Um, day of the Dragon King. They encountered Ching Shi Huangdi on a good day, apparently. Hmm. <laughs> um... Viking ships at sunrise, so they go to medieval Ireland, uh, to a monastery, because, like, that was basically they get to look at the Book of Kells as it's being created. Oh, cool. Yeah. And Hour of the Olympics is, uh, I think they encounter Plato, and they're at the Olympics, because reasons. And then there's the whole thing with Teddy, which includes the, uh, <laughs> the adventure on the Titanic. Yeah. Um, Buffaloes before breakfast. Uh, tigers at twilight and dingoes at dinner time. Then there's another mystery involving the library, which includes the Civil War story, the Revolutionary War story. Um, they have to outrun a tornado, and the book at the end of that arc, they get to experience a 1906 San Francisco earthquake, which for young Lindsay was terrifying because I was living on the West Coast at the time. Ooh. <laughs> right on the Ring of Fire and the Strait of Juan de Fuca is one of those areas where um, or the Juan de Fuca plate is one of those areas where uh, the we don't get a lot of earthquakes like nothing above a 5 and you barely feel a 5 once you're used to it but it's also one of those areas where like very suddenly the plate will slip and we will get the big one and that will be very bad Mm-hmm. I was just checking uh, if there were some other uh, historical disasters that they went to, and they they never visited the Great Fire of London, at least not yet. So uh, if if we start running out of ideas, oh, there is so much stuff that we could throw at these kids. <laughs> but 
okay, so in these books, they are perpetually, like, under 10. I don't know if they really age. How do you feel about, like, letting the kids grow up during... I think they should grow up. I think also that they should start at an older age as well. Yeah. I'm a little concerned that you're sending an 8 and a 7-year-old. Yeah, let's do like a 12 and a 10. That's fine. That's better. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more mature. <laughs> Listen, if if they end up having to go back to Industrial Revolution England, at least they can pass for working class. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So yeah, we start off with 10-year-old Jack and, or 12-year-old Jack, 10-year-old Annie. They're going on adventures. They're doing fun stuff. We can probably get them up to like 17 and 15 by the end of the series. That's when we could throw fucking World War II at them. Yeah, just the whole war. (laughs) I feel a little more comfortable with that. Children in war, that's messed up. Teens in war, oh yeah, that's fine. Perfectly acceptable coming-of-age story. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, these books, it should be said, like, this star- this series started in 1992, and these books are still ongoing. You know, the-, <laughs> the Magic Tree host was Jack and Annie back to meet Benjamin Franklin, only to cause a time paradox when he returns to the future with them. I was right. Ha! <laughs> we have to give Ben Franklin a concussion so that he can't remember anything. So you know the whole thing about him, you know, flying a kite with the key on it to prove electricity or something? Maybe that's what, maybe he does get a little zapped. And that just conveniently takes out that little memory right there. That's how electricity works. Well, also, also, um, like, there is, like, the whole arc of them learning how to be magicians from Merlin. Yeah. And and Morgana, so the, maybe they just had to figure out a memory spell. You know, honestly, the Ben Franken thing, we could turn into, turn the whole Ben Franken situation into its own arc, and they have to go back in time to the alternate histories that have spun out of it. Oh, yeah! Because then we can introduce kids to alternate history and counterfactuals. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, kids! Here's a friendly version of Man in the High Castle. Operation Sea Lion at sundown. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> no, it would not have worked. At best, the Nazis could have gone to beachhead and then be pounded into dust by the naval guns at Southampton by themselves. But but what if they were aided by the tanks that Benjamin Franklin invented because he's been to the future? <laughs> <laughs> he got a weird form of syphilis <laughs> from all the fucking he did. <laughs> there was a kids history program on PBS called Liberty's Kids. It was all about the American Revolution and a thing that they very conveniently left out. They included Ben Franklin's love of baths and just talking to people while just taking a bath. They um, edited out that he liked, he was DTF all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the reason why uh, diplomatic relations with France were so good. All of the mistresses who had any pull also loved their Benny Franklin. Again, this is a kids program, but this is also a modern kids program, so we can at least hint at sex. Can, can we? I don't know. Probably not. This is also. I don't think we need to. I don't think that's, that's a necessary factor of the entertainment to make sure the kids <laughs> knew that Benjamin Franklin was horny on Maine. 
<laughs> yeah, probably not. Even though, again, there was a kid's animated historical program that at least showed Ben Franklin in a bathtub talking to someone. <laughs> we, we can just send them to a bunch of, uh, that meets all the historical presidents and learn that they all suck in their own distinct way. Yep. <laughs> uh, apparently the, the next book coming out, or the one that's most recently been released, um, is Camp Time in California. Uh, where they're sent back to Yosemite National Park in 1903. They're surprised to join John Weir and President Theodore Roosevelt on the most significant camping trip in conservation history. Good for them. Remember remember famed conservationist Theodore Roosevelt? Actually, he was. Oh, okay. Like, there was a lot of colonialism involved, but also, yeah, he kind of set up, helped set up the American National Park system. He did one good thing. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, because it wasn't like the story of the teddy bear, like, much less heartwarming than people yeah. like to make it sound. Yeah. I was just thinking about uh, JFK, and that's like, mmm. He was hopped up on quaaludes and was also DTF all the time. Oh, yeah, fun fact about JFK. He was uh, in re- real bad shape, actually, after World War II. He had, um, he had inherited, like, um, Hodgkin's disease which affected his immune system, so he was constantly in pain. He had a really bad back injury from the war that never fully healed. Apparently there was, like, a plate in his back, and the skin hadn't fully regrown over it. Ooh. And he was hopped up on so many painkillers. It's like, no wonder he kept his cool during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, oh, <laughs> now, now I remember, now I remember an episode of Bones where they, like, they were their lab was commandeered by the FBI, and they were forced to do an autopsy on a cadaver that they they couldn't be told anything about, and so they had to just deduce everything. And they're like, "Oh, I think we found the corpse of Theodore Roosevelt." And then before they could like officially confirm anything, it's whisked away again, and they're forced to all sign NDAs. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird episode. Yeah, when Bones got patriotic, it was kind of weird. Hmm. Um, speaking of corpses, the Magic Treehouse number, I don't know, whatever, Holidays with Jimmy Hoffa. (laughs) God. (laughs) Hey kids, want to learn about the Mafia and labor unions? (laughs) I know, we could do a better labor union one. We'll stick them into like the, one of the Cold Wars. Layover with Al Capone. (laughs) They get to meet the Molly Maguires. <laughs> <laughs> and because I'm Canadian, let's throw some Canadian shit at them. Hey, you get to see the war, the war of 1812 from our end when your country invaded mine. Mmm. <laughs> Though some have argued that you could count it as the actual second civil war because the first civil war could technically be the American Revolutionary War, especially if it had not gone on the revolutionaries way and the u.s almost broke up over the war of 1812 and jack and annie are directly responsible for the white house getting burned down <laughs> again that was british regulars not canadians we had our own badass moments such as canadians aren't regular <laughs> look the only reason why the u.s won was because britain gave a whole bunch of concessions to them so that they could focus on fighting napoleon Morgan Le Fay burned down the White House. She was having a case of the Mondays. 
<laughs> Look, we have this thing called the Battle of Queenston Heights and Lundy's Lane and Chateaurou. Oh my god. Oh, I don't know, they they get transported back to like the 1790s and meet David Thompson who was um an explorer and uh he he apprenticed under the Hudson's Bay Company before working with the Northwest Trading Company. And he he did a lot of mapping of what's now British Columbia. Um, and his maps were so good, they were used into the 1930s. Um, yeah, so anyway, we should talk about the characters. Jack and Annie, they don't have... They have some character characterization, but this Do is they? also like very short chapter books for young readers. Pretty sure their characterization is that Jack is boy and Annie is girl. Jack is boy and bookworm and Annie is girl and tomboy. Ah. Yeah. So I think we could build from that thin foundation. I mean, we don't have to go full Dipper and Mabel. I think it could be something a bit different. I almost see Annie developing as kind of a more sporty version of Pitch from Voltron. Yes. And then Jack, okay, he's bookworm. He's got brown hair, conventional hairstyle, and glasses. What do we do with you? Homosexual. <laughs> I'm diagnosing you with gay. <laughs> you're just looking at this, at this eight-year-old boy and you're like, you're not gonna ever date a girl. <laughs> glasses, brown hair, likes books, down. <laughs> <laughs> That's foreshadowing if I ever seen it. <laughs> okay, we ship him with Teddy then. <laughs> <laughs> Mordred Teddy LaFay. <laughs> Why does everybody call call me Teddy? Well, you were a really cute terrier for like a couple months. <laughs> They're also joined later by another character named Kathleen. Um, I think she's another apprentice. I've never heard of Kathleen. Who the hell is Kathleen? Uh, she is a fairly new character. And by fairly new, I mean she was introduced after, like, we probably stopped reading. Uh, the first special edition book, Danger in the Darkest Hour, takes place during World War II, where they must save Kathleen during the Blitz. Yep. (sighs) Again, we are sending two young children. Okay, this is when they're older. This is when they're teenagers and can justifiably be there. There are plenty of plenty of teens who are helping out in out in the resistance. This this is true. You know, it it might be a little less harrowing if instead of them having to like show up on the front lines, they helped on like the spy and the espionage front. Yeah, like for that particular episode, and we can make it like a two or three parter actually. What if that's like the summer movie special? Yeah. So basically we could cover uh, just bef- like the night before D-Day, D-Day and D-Day plus one, where they got to go rescue Kathleen. And let's say they are in France and they're helping out with resistance because like they're preparing to do stuff behind enemy lines and meeting up with various people. So yeah, that could be like, I don't know, an in-between thing, like a, a summer special or something. And again, Jack and Annie are going to be teenagers by this point. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so I guess we could kind of 
also divide the series into two parts because you have like your regular historical adventures and then you have Jack and Annie become wizards, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the Camelot-related stuff. And I think with those ep- episodes, we could probably hewn close to the books, but add in some more, like, actual Arthurian stuff. Yeah. So, like, the first of these books is Christmas and Camelot. Hey, let's do our version of the Green Knight, because the Green Knight shows up during Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Um, also there, uh, the one thing I was thinking is that some of these books could happen off screen, like an episode mm-hmm. could open, but they're just like, oh my gosh, we're back from, um, what was one of the Merlin missions? We're, we're back from, oh no, that's, that's all. Okay. Hang on. Some of the Merlin missions are like explicitly about magical stuff. Like I don't even mm-hmm. think they're leaving Camelot. Yeah. Like, okay. We got Christmas in Camelot, then Haunted Castle on Howl's Eve, then Summer of the Sea Serpent, then Winter of the Ice Wizard. I don't think sea serpents and ice wizards are historically accurate. No, this is more like mythology stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe Camelot is actually in its own realm. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. Like this is the real Camelot, or we could have a thing where it's like Camelot eventually went to the same place as Avalon. Yeah, like maybe what we find out is that okay, maybe Morgan Le Fay hasn't been telling a full story or maybe there's some sort of like reincarnation involved like maybe this is Camelot that's been like a rebuilt Camelot over in Avalon following the final battle between Arthur and Mordred. Oh so we have like a Ragnarok situation. Okay yeah yeah. We're like this is this is like the second iteration of Camelot like we we rebuilt and we learned from our mistakes because we had the old stories and so we knew not to hurt each other the way that we did before. Yeah. <laughs> also, just just uh, just looking at some of these Merlin missions books, we could mm-hmm. easily say that, like, instead of them going around learning about historical events, they could be going around learning about like magic and mythology around the world, as opposed to just like the <laughs> here's what U.S. political wars. Yes. So, um, I well, they have one adventure in Venice during Carnival, so maybe we could do some fun. Of- alchemy stuff Leonardo da Vinci was into some interesting stuff like if we wanted to add some um, historical stuff like we could have encounters with like aside from Leonardo da Vinci uh, maybe some famous alchemist Isaac Newton was really into some kind of weird stuff weird magical stuff um, mm-hmm. um, oh they should they should meet what's his name you know you, you know uh, the guy Alistair Crowley? Absolutely not. No, well, yes, now that you suggested it, but that's not who I was thinking of. Why can't I remember his name? They do meet Harry Houdini. Yeah, and his friend. (laughs) Oh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? That that guy. (laughs) Oh my god, and they're on the verge of their breakup? (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) It's the Valentine's Day episode. They have to get them back together. (laughs) But you were friends! But he he wrote me a letter in a language that was supposed to be for my mother in a language that she did not speak. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, you want to know why Houdini and and Arthur Conan Doyle had their fallout? Like, okay, they they were divided over this whole spiritism thing and like seances and all that because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle really wanted to believe for various reasons, and 
uh, Houdini was all about debunking these people because they were off because these people were often frauds, were fleecing people for all their money. Anyway, so apparently, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wanted to prove this. He had his wife conduct a seance to get into contact with Houdini's mother, who had recently passed away. And aside from Houdini being a a fairly devout Jewish guy, so he has mm-hmm. very different ideas about the afterlife, his mother never spoke English. And Conan Doyle's wife wrote the letter out in English. And Houdini got big mad. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe this is pre-breakup when they meet, when the kids meet Houdini and Conan Doyle. Also, like, just seeing one of Houdini's shows would have been really cool. Yeah. Like, especially when he's doing the water escape trick. Oh, oh boy. Um, so Merlin mission number seven, Night of the New... Night of the New Magicians. The cover does feature them riding a two-person bicycle through the sky around the Eiffel Tower. Yes. During the Paris Expedition Universelle of 1889. Ah. Looks really cool. Because they have to say four new magicians. Alexander Graham Bell, Louis Pasteur, Thomas Edison, and Gustave Eiffel. Eiffel before an evil sorcerer kidnaps them and steals the secrets of their magic. As it turns out, there is no evil sorcerer, and the only one that shows up is Merlin himself, who had wanted Jack and Annie to meet the four. I think we could- What? We need a villain for this series. Yeah, let's- help. There, there is an evil sorcerer. What if, oh, what if it's original timeline Morgana Le Fay? Oh. <laughs> she finds out about all this, and she's like, I want absolute power. <laughs> but also like you know who one of my first thoughts for a potential villain was fucking Oda Nobunaga <laughs> wow I feel like he'd be an arc villain I feel <laughs> I mean he called himself like the demon daimyo and the demon king so uh, <laughs> anyway Morgan Le Fay her motivation is simple it's like I want revenge on the pen dragon line for stealing my inheritance and doing awful things to my family. And then Oda Nobunaga is simply, I don't know, I want power. So, okay, okay, so. <laughs> I have two ideas of how this could easily spiral out of control. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they're already very similar to existing properties. <laughs> okay. So the first idea is, like, just Morgan Le Fay assembling uh, a Legion of Doom out of historical villains. <laughs> but that's almost basically the plot of all three Night at the Museum movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 second idea is um very close to the Fate Stay Night mobile game in which oh. Morgan Le Fay is like we'll use the treehouse to assert our preferred alternate histories on the world. <laughs> um. Oh, they did meet Houdini. Yeah. Her, her, it's just called Hurry Up Houdini. <laughs> Get to the fucking point, Houdini. <laughs> Look, there is a process to this. As he's trying to break out of his, out of a straight jacket while hanging upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! I'm bored. <laughs> this is set in the modern day. We have cell phones now, and we're scrolling Twitter, waiting for your act to get interesting. <laughs> because they have magic by this point, they're able to maintain their Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's it's because of the time paradox. Ben Franklin invented Wi-Fi. <laughs> Hedy Lamar was pissed. <laughs> oh, they should meet Hedy. Yes. Um, Merlin Missions 19 is called Abe Lincoln at last, which implies that like they were hinting at Abe Lincoln for this whole time, and they finally pulled the tr- okay pulled the triggers. Maybe not the best choice of words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jack and Annie have to kill Abe Lincoln themselves to keep the timeline stable. Oh my god, that's... Okay, so at first, like, the first couple seasons, everything's going great. Like, they're barely affecting the timeline at all, but eventually they start affecting the timeline. That was an unforeseen consequence. We have made this whole series extremely dark. (laughs) That's what happens when we decide, hey, maybe instead of aiming for, like, little kids, we'll go for teenagers. They can handle more shit. And I mean... Some of our favorite shows kind of went dark, right? Yeah, but this feels different because it's about, like, dark things that actually happened. Look, when you're playing around with history, you eventually have to just cut to the chase and be like, look, bad stuff, real bad stuff actually happened. Sorry we're going to traumatize you kids. Uh, Oh, fun fact. You can order all 25 uh, Magic Treehouse Merlin Missions books 1 to 25 in a box set from Amazon. It's only $86, which is honestly... Pretty good price for 25 children's books. Yeah, and those are actually longer than the regular books, too, so... Yeah, the, Mer- the Merlin's missions are ad- for advanced readers aged 7 to 10. So, I think we can handle them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing those box sets over at Chapters. They actually look really nice. Some of them are in, are in uh, hardcover, too. Oh, nice. How, wait, oh, those must be really tiny... Those hardcovers must be like omnibuses, because these are not long books. Yeah. <laughs> They're about the same length as an Animorph. <laughs> <laughs> Animorphs is another series that got dark. That's true. <laughs> and I'm not going to give a caveat. You're just right. You're just correct, period. Like, I think part of your problem is that this this is a series aimed at, like, five to eight-year-olds. <laughs> and we're just going to go, hey, kids! This is for the teens now. Or the preteens, really. The CW's Magic Treehouse. <laughs> yeah, no. No. If anything, we're probably going to give it more of the She-Ra treatment. Ah, yes. Though, when it comes to art style, I don't know who we would go to, but probably DreamWorks? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so apparently Lionsgate optioned the film rights uh, uh, in 2016. Okay. But, like... The optioning film rights is weird. Yeah. Like, that, that'll that happen, and then they'll just sit there for, like, ten years, and then they'll be like, we've hired a director, and then they get to hang on to the rights for, like, another five years. <laughs> anyway, Jack and Jack and Mordred are gonna have Big Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Annie, I don't know, maybe... <laughs> maybe lesbian, maybe ace. I don't know, they have an encounter with Artemis, and she realizes, oh, I... Just hanging out. Annie doesn't need boys. They disappoint her. Yeah. <laughs> they can go to the big middle school dance. Jack, Jack takes... T- there can, oh, there could be a whole arc about just like edu- edutainment, but about modern day stuff. Yeah. And in- instead of Jack and Annie going to historical places, it's they use the treehouse to just take uh, Teddy around the world. Or not even around the world, just like they br- keep bringing Teddy to the modern day. Like, Teddy, today we're going to show you how a car works. Yeah. Well, we could also introduce Kathleen earlier so that, you know, it's not completely like the Smurfette situation for Annie. 
But yeah, like showing these two people. Oh shit, Kathleen's a Selkie. Cool. I would just because yeah, it's just I don't know who this girl is. I don't like this girl. I don't like new things in my series. Oh shit, she's a Selkie. Kathleen's my favorite character now. Yeah. <laughs> Move over, mermaids. We are Selkie stands. <laughs> <laughs> she first appeared in Summer of the Sea Serpent, so that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, even though really she should have showed up in that time where they like were found the Book of Kells. Yeah. Yeah, so really we could introduce Kathleen and Teddy way earlier. And then they become like companions, if you will. <laughs> during Danger in the Darkest Hour, her experiences in World War II traumatized her so much that she felt hopeless and weak, as she felt she was unable to rescue ten children from the Nazis and feared to be responsible for their deaths. This has also sapped her magical abilities, but the appearance of Jack and Annie, who helped her through non-magical means, restored her confidence and her abilities. I, I, I don't know how I feel about I'm curious if the World War II book yeah. brought up like just when how much detail did it go into about how evil the nazis were like how clear was it oh uh, and, and and also i, I th th this is a point where it's like loose back around like b back from uh this is a bit mature to children all the way to you know what you gotta learn at an early age why nazis and fascism are bad so might yeah. as well do it through you know, the time traveling siblings and a selkie <laughs> i mean <laughs> Was it Justice League or Justice League Unlimited when uh, Randall Savage changed the timeline to where to where Hitler wins World War II and all the superheroes have to go back in time? I didn't see that episode. Okay, well that happened. And again, that's in another cartoon that was aimed at kids. I just grew up watching Indiana Jones movies, which were very obvious about Hey kids, see Nazi? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Barbecue it. <laughs> Nazis. I hate these guys. <laughs> I mean, one of the best kills was when he managed to, like, shoot his pistol through four of them because they had lined up one in front of the other. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, we could probably do something about World War II with, again, teenage Jack and Annie. I feel a little more okay with that than having a, an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old. Just hurl some grade school kids to the front lines. It's fine. Nothing bad will happen there. <sighs> Look, let let Auntie Lindsay come up with the actual script for the for that storyline, okay? <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but yeah, Nazis are bad. We need to teach this right away. Yeah, the the series can be surprisingly dark. But also I mean it's history. That's the that's the real edutainment here, is that history <laughs> dark. But also fun and interesting. Like yeah, the kids are going to be traumatized by, you know, going to Vesuvius on the day it erupts. But, like, how many other time travel TV series have done that? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what they could do is they could they could uh, have an arc where they go to places that, like, aren't... They're either not known much about historically or yeah. they're not popular. Like, they could go to the Dark Ages, quote-unquote, but they they head to... Uh, the Middle East, yeah. where there was a whole bunch of developments being made, it's just they weren't being reported on because no one was doing anything about it in England. And if it wasn't happening in England, then who cares, right? Right? Right. Yeah, well, also England was kind of going through its own, oh my god, everything's falling apart! Ah! <laughs> At the moment. <laughs> but yeah, we could go to medieval ancient India, uh, Anywhere in Africa, 
because oh, oh boy, even that- actually, actually, maybe maybe to get more specific, maybe like something happens and King Arthur is ill, and so the Ark is going around to like ancient pre-colonial civilizations and learning about their like hospital medical practices. Yeah, I don't think they've done anything said in Bronze Age, which would be really cool because Bronze Age, Bronze Age civilizations are super cool. I think there is. I think Stallion by Starlight is set in Rome. Based based on the the book cover, yeah, but that's classical antiquity. Bronze okay. Age is very different. I don't I don't know history. Oh <laughs> wait, this. no, they would have because they went to ancient Egypt, and like that spans from like the prehistoric to pretty much the fall of Rome. Well, it got subsumed into Rome following the full Caesar gets assassinated, and then we have the civil war, and then Octavian takes over because. Mark Antony fucks up. <laughs> I don't know. They meet Cleopatra. Yeah. They should meet Cleopatra. She is a fascinating person. They did meet like a young Alexander the Great. Cool. Ooh, they could meet Ptolemy. They should also meet like, I don't know, Cyrus the Great or Darius the Great from Persian history. Because again, cool dudes. It's weird hearing the name Darius attached to a historical figure. It seems like a much more modern name. Yeah. But yeah, the one of the greatest rulers in ancient history was named Darius, or Darius, I've heard. I'm trying to think of like famous queer figures they could visit, but those are all, again, just going into dark stuff, which is an unfortunate truth is that bad stuff happened at queer figures and queer events in the past. I don't know, maybe they meet Christina of Sweden. Okay, yeah, actually, yeah, that's true, if they went more medieval with it. Or early modern. So yeah, like I would say Queen Christina, or King Christina. As she'd like to refer to herself. Nice. Yeah. No, yeah, because I, I was just thinking of, like, the modern people's like, well, can't exactly go Sunday at Stonewall. Yeah! Can't really do Monday with Harvey Milk. Oh. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're just getting to the point where it's like, here's our favorite historical figures that we think two children should meet, regardless yeah. of the consequences. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I think this is a good point to start wrapping it up. But I have one last question for you, which is, who should be the voice actress for Morgan? You know, my first thought was Leah Henney. I don't know that person. Or Lena Henney. Oh, oh yeah, uh, I do know her. Cersei. Yeah. That would be cool. That'd be fun and cool. What's your pick? Uh, oh, I didn't have one. I would, I was just sourcing. It's your episode. You're in charge of casting. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Lena Henney for um for Morgan. And then... The children are children? Yeah, the children are children. Because there's a one animated series by, like, the people who did Adventure Time where they just, like, gave the script to the, like, four-year-old. Yeah. And do whatever. Yeah, that, I, I think Magic Treehouse would have an actual script. There wouldn't be a lot of room for improv. Yeah. I'm, I'm just more thinking, like, if you want the characters to grow, why not have char- actors that grow with the characters? Yeah. yeah so find some young actors and you know what voice acting is probably less stressful for a child than like actual child acting yeah and then morgan uh, or merlin uh i should remember his name because i'm thinking about rumple from once upon a time robert carlisle especially if we go for a more trickster mentor Mm-hmm. because i don't think that's been done in a while i don't know i haven't seen the green knight yet <laughs> i don't know what they did with merlin i don't even if know if merlin's in it them. Yeah. I just know shit gets weird. Well, yeah, naturally. Yeah. Oh, they should have an episode where they encounter the Green Knight. 
You already mentioned really that. You should. wanted it to do with yeah. a Christmas Camelot episode with the Green Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, a separate episode where they encounter the Green Knight. For those because of you just turning in, Lindsay fucking loves the Green Knight. It's such a good story! And it's really gay, too! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think I've run out of stuff because otherwise it's like me going like, how do I hurt children? <laughs> With history. <laughs> Alright, in that case, I guess it's time for me to put out our next entry. Sunday with a fan promo. What have come with Friday, but this episode, the episodes don't come out Friday. The only reason the episode would come out Friday is if it was really, really delayed. Which this one might be. The holidays are just around the corner, and there's no better place to enjoy them than Christmastide, Ohio. This idyllic town is just the place to enjoy any winter celebration. We've got candle and tree lightings. Carolers singing your favorite holiday classics. Bakers baking yummy treats. Kids on bikes. Dancing, parades, and more. Take a spin on the peppermint twist at the historic Candy Cane Amusement Park. Get warm and cozy at the Gingerbread House Bed and Breakfast. Indulge in a world-famous snow pair at Partridge Farms. Whatever you're celebrating, celebrate with us in Christmastide, Ohio. For more information, please go to ChristmastideOhio.com. All right, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can go to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced Moonstone, Mango, Mammoth, Bone, Mouse. You can also email us at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite sanitized period in history. That's where you can send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network and you can talk more about the show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Twitter or Discord. <laughs> I was about to say, you can talk to us on Twitter too. Yeah. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, aka Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Click, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like things of his own for your own. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotil, Assiniboine, and Metis. Last but not least, don't forget that you could buy this episode, uh, not as an NFT, just as your name beside the episode on a spreadsheet. Uh, if you click on the link in the episode description, you'll be prompted to do a donation to the North Central Family Center. And if you do a minimum of $5 and send us your receipt, uh, then we'll put your name on the spreadsheet. So, Tanner. So, Lindsay. What will we be doing next week? Um, let me double check. I'm pretty sure I know, but I want to double check. Alright, yes, next week, as part of the People's Choice poll that we're doing directly before our 150th episode... Uh, uh, I will be rebooting the Knights of Prosperity, which means that next week we are going to be robbing Mick Jagger. Oh, okay. So yeah, we'll do that ice next time, but not if we reboot you first. Bye! <laughs>